Dr. Anthony Jordan is the Northern Regional Health Coordination Centre's Clinical Director for the vaccination program uh, and one of our leading immunologists in Aotearoa. He joins us on the line now. Once again, a very good afternoon to you, Doctor. Hi, Simon. How are you? Uh, doing right. really well, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, look, if you've got a question for our good doctor, 0800 80 is the number to call. And uh, we had uh, Dr. Jordan on with us a couple of times last year. You were so good, mate. Like, just... Mm just put things into layman's sort of terms and we could all understand it. And he's, and the one thing that is great about Dr. Jordan too is he's not afraid of tough questions. Have you got anything for us? 0800 80 10 80 is our phone number. You can text your question if you're more comfortable with that, just 9292. So Dr. Jordan, Omicron, I'm sick of the word of that already. Um, it's with us now. So what can people do to try and prepare, do you think, best? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that I think uh, we can pick up. If you're eligible for your booster vaccination, it's been four months since your second dose, get out there and get your booster vaccination as soon as possible. The other thing is to prepare for what it would look like if you had to isolate at home, if someone in your home or yourself uh, got Omicron. And simple things like making a plan of who could help you out, who you'd contact from a support person point of view, make sure that uh, they could get things like food for you, making sure you've got food in the house. And if you've got pets like me, make sure that you've got pet food as well. For people that are on medications, make sure that you've got enough medications to last you a couple of weeks. And then just other simple things, like all of the things that we know, follow those really good practices of hand hygiene and mask wearing. Those are probably things that people have got used to over the last couple of years. But, you know, over the last, couple of months a lot of us probably have become a little bit more comfortable so mm. it's just really to reinstate those practices and get really strict on ourselves so to speak yeah hey dr jordan um can you catch omicron from parcels or mail from overseas especially from well you know off the surfaces of those parcels so remember in previous outbreaks how we were worried about contaminated surfaces that's become less of a concern based on what we know about Omicron. Um, what we do know is after someone, say, coughs in a space, that uh, is a way that people could pick it up. So the person may have left, but the, the viral particles could still be in the air. So that right. just reinforces the importance of wearing a mask uh, wherever you go. Now, on that masks... Um Obviously, there's a lot of talk. I think they're called N95s, um, which are the you know short supply, but the very effective. And the P2. Uh, yeah, and the P2, which is what mm. James has got. But uh, now, what about how regularly you can use your masks, Dr. Jordan? Um, like, I've got one that I'll, to be honest with you, it stays in my car, and I'll use it every sort of couple of days if I'm out, and I've used it multiple times. Should I be discarding that? So I'd put it this way, as a mask is better than no mask. That's the first thing. Mm. A cloth mask is that they can be quite variable. So cloth masks are not as good as the what we call the medical masks. You know the flat ones that yep. you see. Um, the medical masks are pretty good to be honest. And if everyone wore medical masks where they went out and about and you know to the supermarket down the street, that's they, they perform pretty pretty well. There are some situations where uh, masks like N95s offer better uh, protection just because they get a really good seal around you know our nose and mouth 
And those are situations, you know, we, we use them in hospital, for example, when we're going to see patients who have COVID. So I would say medical masks are good, uh, just the plain ones. Um, there are some situations where N95s are better or the P2 ones. Great. I would say that in general that, you know, masks can be reused, uh, especially the N95 ones can be reused, and some people will wear them for a couple of hours, put them down and use them the next day. The medical masks, especially if you've got stubble or anything like that, as soon as they begin to fray, that means that they're no longer uh, acting mm. as a, a good filter. A curly question to the break, and then we're gonna, we've got a lot of people who want to chat with you, but this is uh, a text that says, Dr. Jordan, why are the UK not vaccinating kids when they have millions of cases? Um, according to media in the UK, the benefits don't outweigh the risks for children. Do you agree or disagree? So the, the UK have taken that stance. They are vaccinating some 5- to 11-year-old children, uh, but they're limiting it to those children where they have conditions that may put them at greater risk of a bad outcome from COVID-19. Um, some things like neurodevelopmental disorders, for example. So it's not that they're not vaccinating children, they're just being much more selective in who they choose to vaccinate. That's an individual assessment for those children. Other countries like New Zealand and uh, the US have said, well, there's also the unpredictability of even those children that don't have those disorders that they could have a rare um, outcome from catching COVID-19. This multi-inflammatory system condition, for example, would be one. And then they look at it from a transmission point of view. So being able to vaccinate to prevent a child being a vector, so passing on COVID, for example, uh, is another aspect that we've taken into consideration here in New Zealand. But, you know, that's a conversation we have when we're talking to parents about the, the benefits and risk assessment for their child. Very good. Dr. Jordan, uh, if you don't mind just hanging on there, we'll take some more calls and questions when we come back. Thank you again, Doctor, for your time. Sonia's been waiting here with a question. Hello, Sonia. Oh, hi, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank good. you, Dr. Jordan. Good. Standing by. Good. Oh, hi. I've got two quick questions, if you don't mind. The first is, do you know why we're not allowing boosters for 12 to 18-year-olds, given they're going to be back in classrooms in a couple of weeks, which is a high-risk environment? And secondly, KN95 masks, in the media a few days ago, they were reporting to be wary of fake ones in the market, but they didn't allude or explain to us what they meant by fake. How do we know if they're fake? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'll come back to that one at the end. So the first, Thank you. first question is the size of the company that applies for the extension of the booster program uh, hasn't yet put in any paperwork for 12 to 18-year-olds. That doesn't mean that won't be something that potentially won't come online shortly. In the US, for example, they introduced it for 16 to 18-year-olds and then more recently uh, took it down to 12-year-olds. So it may be something that's coming around the corner um, we're definitely watching that very closely because what, what we wonder is, you know, between the ages of 18 and, say, 19, the immune system is, you know, has degrees of robustness in terms of how it may respond to the vaccine and how uh, different age groups may wane. So we're particularly interested in whether or not 12 to 18-year-olds may actually have 
longer durations of protection, but that's not guaranteed. So we need to be really mindful that that booster program may need to be rolled out in the future. Very good. Okay. Um, the other bit around KN95 masks, it, that's difficult because they're actually uh, used, say, in the building trade, for example, mm. uh, to protect us. And so they, their standards that are adhered must be quite different to what we expect from a medical-grade N95 P2 mask. Um, and so there's labelling on those masks that have to adhere to different standards, and it's, it is very difficult to know what to look out for in terms of those masks. I, my suggestion for people is go to places where you know they should have checked those out on your behalf, so places like pharmacies or mm. medical mm. supplies. That's a good That's good what I did. I got my P2 from the pharmacy yesterday. Mm. Uh, a texter asking... Or saying, I'm worried about vaccinating my healthy five and seven year olds because I believe COVID, particularly Omicron, is a mild illness for healthy kids and there's not enough data on long term vaccine side effects. I'm double vaxxed, but I'm 40 plus with some risk factors, so I'm not anti vax, just concerned. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's perfectly reasonable to discuss your concerns around. Um, what does the illness look like in that age group? Generally, it is mild. It's not guaranteed to be mild. I guess that's the only thing to say. So definitely say to that person to reach out and have a discussion, either with uh, your GP um, or another person who may be able to give you some more information on that. We have to remember that people uh, may choose to get vaccinated themselves, but a lot of us would be apprehensive about uh, offering a medical treatment to our children. That's a natural States, we just mm. need to talk through it and make sure everyone's really comfortable about making that decision. Very good. Georgie, hi. Hello. Um, I'm just wondering if it could be that the tests aren't, effect- aren't as effective with Omicron. Are you talking about the rapid tests or the PCRs? No, the PPR. Right. Yeah, because there was DJ Man. Yeah. He had lots of negative tests and then tested positive. And I have a great niece in Australia who had symptoms, so she had neg- but I didn't ask which test she had. She had negative tests, and now she's got it. Her mother said, "Get another test, and now she's got it." And I'm just wondering, I'm wondering about the timeline, if you can take longer for it to come out, or if the tests aren't as effective. Good question, Georgie. What do you say to that, Doctor? Yeah, that is a really good question, Georgie. It's it's the importance of if you're unwell, one test alone is not enough reassurance to make sure that you haven't got COVID because some people do test negative and then other people test positive at the end of the day, like the case that Georgie just mentioned. So one test alone isn't always enough to ensure that you don't have it. Um, PCR tests, do perform quite well. Um, they're not 100% though. Mm. Uh, whereas the rat tests that we've been talking about, they don't work as well as PCRs. Um, so I think you know we need to balance that sort of uh, reliability of the test versus how we feel. If you're sick and you know you're sick, you should probably adhere by the other protocols that we've just been talking about. You know, isolate uh, and seek medical attention. Because the other thing we don't want to miss out, especially when we think about kids, is other symptoms, uh, other conditions that could have similar symptoms. And I'm always reminded that rheumatic fever 
is still out there as well. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Jordan, we've had a text here saying, thank you, that was the best answer about kids' vaccines I've heard. And why is it such a hard decision to make, to take the jab? Mm, mm. Hey, a couple of quick questions before we let you go, Doctor, and they're, they're big questions, so we'll try and run through like two quick texts. Dr. Jordan, my wife is six weeks pregnant. Is she able to get her booster? Is it safe to do so? Yes, so that's a really good question. Now, I was going to bring that up before we finish. Um, there has been uh, recent research on this, and uh, we've updated our guidelines just because we brought that uh, interval four to four months that people who are pregnant now can get their booster now. Right. Dr. Jordan, I have had the first two vaccines, was prepared to have my boost at six months. I'm not happy about having it now at four months, um, as, as I was presuming it were not designed for this. What are your thoughts? Uh, the, yeah, the vaccine is designed to do the same thing every time, is to train your immune system. And in this case, it's, it's kind of its third training run. It is okay to have it at four months. We've looked at that. Um, if there was a specific thing that someone was concerned about in terms of extending that interval, um, if they had bad side effects after the second one, that may be a reason to talk to someone and just talk through that. Because there are some people out there that had a bad experience after a vaccination and they may want more reassurance that it's um, less likely to happen at four months or are they better off waiting for six months. Right. And last one, there's a couple of texts saying we're, we're scared to have our boosters because we've heard about side effects. Immediately followed by this text, Dr. Jordan, I got a heart condition. It was established by, by my doctor that it was from the second vaccination. What would you say about this? So this person is probably someone that may consider going and getting an alternative vaccine like the AstraZeneca, the one that we have in New Zealand, if it was due to the Pfizer vaccine. Right. Look, you are just so great to talk yes. to. We really enjoy the, the time. The half hour just flies by. Dr. Jordan, thank you for your time. We'll do it again in a fortnight. But thanks always for being so obliging and not brushing off questions either that mm. are a bit sort of controversial. So it's really appreciated. All good. Take care, Simon. Thank you. <laughs> talk soon. Bye. Bye. Nice.